Welcome in to a very special edition of the original Alabama Basketball Podcast. I am James Fletcher, alongside Luke Ratliff, as always. We are SEC champions. Once again, we're getting used to this whole uh, SEC champions thing. We might want to do it a third time if they'll let us, but uh, yeah, SEC champions. We win the regular season. We run the table in the tournament as the one seed, uh, take care of business, and bring home a trophy in the process. Uh, Luke, of course, was there. We'll get his first-person experience from the whole tournament, the whole weekend, uh, game after game. Then, Selection Sunday happened, uh, the same day that we celebrated uh, that conference championship. So we will run through the bracket. First, we will take you through Alabama's region, uh, break down all of the games Uh, that could give Alabama some trouble on their run to the final four. Then we'll take you all the way around the bracket. We might pick some upsets. We might go chalk. Uh, Who knows, really? Uh, But we'll find some of the interesting matchups that you could see in the next couple weeks in the NCAA tournament. But before we get to any of that, Luke, welcome to the show. James, it's good to be on, especially after the weekend that Alabama had. Uh, You talked about it in Nashville. Alabama, three games in Nashville – Three wins, a com- another conference title, this time the tournament title. Uh, of course, ending with that 80 to 79 victory over LSU. That, oh boy, it felt so good to, uh, again, just what a, what a weekend. What a weekend. We're going to get into it later. Alabama, of course, the top two seed in this year's NCAA tournament in the East region this year. I believe John Rothstein is calling it the Harry and Izzy's region. Uh, <laughs> In this year's bracket, uh, Alabama will play this Friday, or excuse me, this Saturday against Rich, uh, Rick Pitino's Iona Gales yeah. in the NCAA tournament. Historic Hinkle Fieldhouse, that is, too. We'll talk about that later. But, again, James, let's look at this SEC tournament because how much fun was it? We're not going to – we're going to go past the Mississippi State game because it's oh, just not worth it. You don't want to talk about that 37-point win. <laughs> I mean, it could – and the sad thing is it could have been a 47-point win. It could have. It very well could have, uh, and Coach Oates, of course, took his you know, foot off the gas, put in uh, Tyler Barnes and Britton Johnson early. Britton Johnson, who was, of course, in that game, this is all I'm going to say, he set up for a, blo- a charge. It was called the block, questionable decision. And uh, that was – Controversy was at the SEC tournament. Controversy at the conference tournament this year. Uh, but, again, let's just let's, – let's, let's recap a little bit. We're going to go back to Saturday. Alabama gave us – Two, if you're a college basketball fan, Alabama was at the center of two of the best basketball games this season, and the first was on Saturday against Tennessee. Yeah, that that game against Tennessee was incredible. I know a lot of people really sweated out that first half, Alabama down 40-31 to at the break. Uh, They they went down, and then it looked like, all right, they've gotten themselves back in. They're in a groove. And then right at the end of the half, Tennessee kind of – burst it open a little bit further and took that nine point lead into the half. And uh, there were a lot of people sweating uh, knowing how good of a defensive team Tennessee is. But of course, Alabama flipped the script, scored 42 points in the second half, only allowed 28 uh, to Tennessee and got a five point win. And I thought, you know, I'm sure you, you did too. I'm sure you ignored them because you were in the arena though. I got all kinds of texts saying this game is too close. What are they doing? Why are they down? What's going on? 
And my response was, don't worry, it's coming. And it sure enough, it came the offensive uh, burst that we're, we're so used to seeing. And Luke, I think it's time to, time to formally acknowledge, I don't know if we've, we've said this on the show, this is a second half team. It, well, it sure is. And they've proven themselves uh, a large part of the season. You saw how – I go back to the very first game of the year against Jacksonville State. And, uh, of course, things in November, December didn't really go Alabama's way as they were still trying to find that continuity as a team that we've always talked about on this, pre- on this show. Uh, Alabama, it started that first game of the year where we could see they go into the locker room, they look, they try to find a way. Uh, you know, make adjustments. Coach Oates tells them what to do, uh, you know, make shots, stuff like that. Uh, all this great coaching insight. And then, I mean, up through the game in Knoxville on January 2nd, in Athens last week against Georgia. This, I think it's fair to say this is the second half team Alabama is. Alabama going in down nine in the, uh, going down nine at halftime to Tennessee. Who, look, I, I want, before we even go any further, I want to talk about. This Tennessee team, this was the team we expected to see early on in the year. We expect from right at the start of the conference play. This is the team we saw against this, how they played against Missouri first conference game of the year, where they just waxed the floor with them, beat them by 20 in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, and, and then after Alabama played them on January 2nd, Alabama won. Alabama start that second half. People, that's why I was telling people in the arena. Alabama was down, I believe, six at halftime uh, in Knoxville. Went on a 13-0 run to start the second half. Tennessee, after that game, sort of slumped offensively. Uh, and we saw just how limited they were on the offensive. And defensively, they're as good. I mean, they're as good a team in the country defensively. I don't think there's very much secret about that. Eve Pond, Jane Springer. I mean, all these players. Really Eve Pond's First of all, this guy. It's incredible. Holy cow. I mean, like, I, I love watching him play because of how athletic he is. And he can just – he made some blocks in that first half on Alabama, especially when Alabama was driving the lane, fast break opportunities, transition opportunities. Alabama was driving the lane for a layup. And Ponds would just come from one side of the lane to the other and just make these ridiculous plays. It's it really, from a neutral standpoint, it was so much fun to watch. But from an Alabama standpoint, down nine and a half isn't necessarily where you want to be. Alabama comes out in the second half uh, to the Javon Quinterly show, which we were we got accustomed to here late uh, late run in the season. Javon Quinterly playing his best basketball right now. Uh, he's of course scoring 19 points this game. Ended up we'll talk about it later. Ended up most valuable player of the tournament, but we saw, and I think the nation saw that Alabama, starting with this game and the way they pulled it out late, this, the, nations, the rest of the nation saw what we've been seeing all along, it's that Alabama can play against quality opponents in the multiple-day stretch. They yeah. can play three games in a row and play very well. Uh, Herbert Jones, oh, my God, Herbert Jones. Yeah. Uh, 13 rebounds, 21 points, four assists, three steals, one block. <laughs> what a stat line from yeah. your SEC Player of the Year. Uh and third team All American today. Third team All American. They will talk about that later. It's <laughs> in Alabama. I will see. I'm I'm pulling up the stat right now. Uh, <laughs> Alabama only seven of twenty eight from three in this game. 
and comes back, finds a way to win, scores 73 points, uh, 41, 42 of those points in the second half, and, and beats 30, Tennessee. 32 beats. of those points came from the bench, which I think was a, a huge point in this game. Tennessee shortening, shortening their rotation. They let the freshmen play almost the full game. Uh, Eve Pons, of course, out, I think, less than a minute total uh, over the course of the game. But Alabama kept the rotation, and it paid off. Alex Reese gives you double digits. Uh, JQ, of course, gave you 19. And so, you know, when you get 29 out of two guys off the bench, that really helps you. Uh, and especially on a night where Jaden Shackleford only gave you two points, you know, he has an off night. But I think that that bench contribution can be really big for Alabama as we move in to the postseason and continue to play in the tournament. Because like you said, you got to win uh, in the SEC tournament. It was three games in three days. Now it's going to be, you know, two games in two or three days and then a week break. And then you got to do it all over again. And you got to do that one week after another for three straight weeks. And that can be taxing on people. So to be able to go, you know, nine deep and get real contribution from all nine of those players. And of course, we're going to get Primo back, possibly. Uh, that's the, the rumor that his MCL is not as serious as a lot of people had feared and that he's day to day. You know, you talk about a team going 10 deep in the NCAA tournament, that's a team that's going to be fresh if they're able to get late into the field. Yeah, and you talked about bench production for Alabama, and it it showed in this game. You're down with that. You're down Josh Primo. You're down the starter in this game. You can't play the guys that you're used to playing uh, in in the level of production that you're or the usage that you're used to playing them. Mm -hmm. uh, Jawan Gary was fan fabulous. Not only this yeah. Tennessee game, but we're going to talk about in the second this LSU game. Jawan Gary was fabulous this tournament. Uh, I, just this game alone, he had 9.6 usage rating in 11 minutes, but he was plus 8.3 in that little bit of time. The plays he makes on that, on especially the defensive end of the floor, uh, are just whether it be you know stepping in, getting a dig on the player, going into the uh, going to the rim, driving the lane, uh, getting steals, just and then on the offensive end, grabbing offensive boards, getting tip outs. He makes the plays. He's the blue-collar player that we've come to expect from Herbert Jones, but just not as much production because of injuries throughout the season. And, you know, there's not really a space for him uh, to play more than really 11, 12, 13 minutes per game. But that's the production you need to be successful in March, and Juwan Gary gave it to you against this, tennis, in, against this very good who – Tennessee, who played their best game of the year. I think we're all in agreement on this. Yeah. Right, James. We're all in agreement. It was, one of, it was definitely better than I thought they would play with without Fulkerson, who was a key miss for them. And I think that it was one of their best games of the season for sure, and a really good trend for them heading into the tournament. Yeah, they came to play for this conference tournament. They came to win the tournament. Uh, you saw that the way they started and continued to play, the way they fought out against Florida. And just, you know, when, what they win that game by, James, it was double digits. I think it was 15 points, something like that. But come out and really play the really good offensive game, uh, making shots left and right. They're not a great shooting team. Uh, apart from, uh, I mean, apart from Keon Johnson, 
who was a oh, fantastic freshman for them. Uh, Jaden Springer, also a really good player for them. Uh, apart from them, you know, they're not a really good offensive team. And they came to this SEC tournament and played like one, played like, you know, a top 10 team, the number seven team in the country. We expected to lead the conference this year, and they just didn't. Uh, and they came and played like they were supposed to, like we wanted to, wanted them to in this uh, this conference season. But let's look forward, James. I want to bring us into the next game. Championship Sunday at the Southeastern Conference. It's hard to beat it. And Alabama went out 80-79, grinded out a really, really tough victory, a really hard-nosed game battle against yeah. LSU. Uh, in, in which Alabama's defense at the very end held up. Yeah, this one made you sweat. Uh, you know, if you were sweating in that Tennessee game when I was uh, calm, then I can only imagine what it was like uh, during that LSU game because, man, it was back and forth and back and forth, and you were seeing things out of LSU that you hadn't seen in prior matchups. And you, I felt confident still because we've seen Alabama down the stretch be such a good team. Uh, both defensively and on offense this season. But, man, I mean, you know, LSU gets the final shot after it. one of the best Euro steps you will ever see by Herb Jones going down in transition. Not even really transition. Like, the defense was there. He just beat it with that Euro step from, like, the three-point line that he can do. Uh, very few people can pull that off. But he goes to the rim, scores quickly, and now it's it's on LSU, you know, Alabama's up 80 to 79 and they've got a score. He, of course, blocks a three point attempt from Trenton Watford. But let me tell you, Luke, I don't know how you felt in the arena, but I saw that ball hit the rim on the putback. And it was over in my in my mind, he, the arc that he put on that shot, the angle it hit the rim. I said, this ball is going in and yeah. Yet it didn't. It hit the other side of the rim and came out. And you then the next thing that I remember seeing is John Petty just sprinting down the court. Yeah, I, I think everyone in the arena thought that ball was going in, uh, except for LSU fans. If you're an LSU, <laughs> I think what little LSU fans didn't have any faith whatsoever in that ball going in. But every Alabama fan, which was, there was about 3,000 of us there, uh, we <laughs> we were all clutching our pearls there for a second. It was we had lost a basketball game, but no, talk about what a final minute of basketball that was! Holy cow! You look at look at LSU. You have the usual suspects, you know, the big three for them. You have uh, Cam Thomas, Trenton Watford, Devonte Smart, each in double digits. Uh, Watford with thirty, Devonte Smart with twenty one. In that final minute of basketball, man, holy cow! Was that fun to watch? If you're a basketball fan, uh, you have. One team going, one team, one team scoring. You have LSU getting offensive rebound, pushing it back out. Javante Smart hitting a three with thirty something seconds left, I believe it was. Uh, and then you have on the opposite end, Alabama. Uh, uh, if I remember correctly, it was Herbert Jones that went to the rim. And then on the other end, you have an and one situation with Watford. Watford misses the and one free throw. He misses the free throw on the end one. Uh, Herb comes back again, lay up. Uh, putting Alabama ahead by one point where they would stay. Uh, this this was a classic, man. I, I'm so happy I was in the building for this because how often do you get games like this? Right. Like, like I like to go to the you know the offensive rating, the plus minus, you know the usage rating, the true shooting percentage, oh, you know, all that. 
whenever I'm looking at these games. I don't think I can here because it was just – if you're a basketball fan, that was your game to watch. That's the one you wanted to see uh, from both teams. Uh, Alabama, of course, getting that big to begin with, getting that 8-10 point lead to begin with, and then LSU ch- biting away, biting away at them. And then Alabama getting on a good run to go in the half. Uh, and then there it is in the second half, everything back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until eventually it wasn't. And that was the end of the game, and Alabama was conference tournament champions. Yeah, and I think you you nailed it there. Like, a game like this, you can look at the analytics. You can look at the stats. You can We could list off the box, and we do for some games. We talk about the box score and what each stat meant. You don't have to do that with this game and I think it's a disservice to this game to do that you don't remember the great games by who had how many points you remember them because those seconds will live in your memory forever and so that's why with this game we we skip straight to the end because nobody's going to remember that 8-0 run that Alabama started with or Cam Thomas's you know trio of threes where he seemed to just be wide open on every nobody's going to remember those things it's these last few seconds of play where Herb Jones comes up so clutch the last few shots from Javon Quinterly that went in the defense that was played at the end of this game and of like you said a missed free throw from Trenton Watford a blocked shot from Herb Jones the putback that looked like it was going those are the things you're going to remember forever in this game and it really those moments make the stats obsolete yeah it does I want to talk about one thing right quick I talked about the usual suspects for LSU and Watford and Javante Smart and Cam Thomas, uh, they they combine for 73 points of LSU 79. Darius Day scored two points uh, at one point in the game. Uh, in the first half, I believe it was, didn't score the rest of the game. Andre Hyatt, of course, with the other eight points to make up for there. Uh, oh, excuse me. Those three uh, combined for 69 points. Yeah. I apologize. Uh no bench points, no bench production here for LSU. And I think that was, I mean, that was that was part of the story. That was part of the story because you look on the other end of Alabama, you get 14 from Quinterly, eight big ones from Jawan Gary, and then two good threes from uh, in the first half from Alex Reese. I believe they were both in the first half. I know one was in those first four minutes. Uh, <laughs> this was – this was – it was a fighter's game, man. This was – this was – two heavyweights slugging it out uh, the way you would expect them to. And we've talked about it on this show before. It's hard for a team to beat another team three times in conference. Yeah. And this proved it now. Uh, Alabama did it, beating LSU third time this season. But it was hard, man. It was, it, it, it's so hard to do, and it's rare that it happens. Uh, and that's why these conference tournaments are so important and so fun to watch because everybody's bringing their A game. They know they got the film on the other team. They know what's, what they're going to run. They know what's going to happen. And uh, that was that was the case here. Yeah, it definitely was. And then, you know, we bring home the conference team. And just to see all of the, those moments after the game, to see uh, Darius Miles crying, uh, just overjoyed to see Petty, like I said, running down the court, Herb Jones joining, even Josh Primo limping out with his crutch onto the court to celebrate. <laughs> And then uh, seeing what it meant to, to Petway, to Oates, to Hodgson, just everyone around that program. I even saw, uh, we'll give a shout out to Aaron Jordan. I saw him in the background with his hands up in the air celebrating uh, and just everything it meant to get this win and bring 
the SEC championship, the tournament championship to Alabama and bring that trophy home to Tuscaloosa. Well, you talk about too, it, it means so much. And I think I've spoken on it before on this program, what it means to not just the university and the fans and, you know, the players, what it means to the state. All right. Your last two, I mean, your last two SEC tournament champions are from the state of Alabama in Auburn and Alabama. It, it, what that does for the state of Alabama basketball-wise at every level, from upward to high school to college, what it does is tremendous, and it's, it's hard to talk. I mean, it's like hard to put into words just exactly how important it is uh, for a state like Alabama that's so enamored with football at every level. Mm-hmm. It's so important for uh, basketball to make an appearance like this and to be as successful as it is. And to see it, you, you oh, my God. Yeah, I'm glad the cameras weren't on me <laughs> when, <I was> the, <laughs> when the buzzer sounded and I was in the stands because I was a mess, too. That was that post game, man. That was uh, Commissioner Sankey presenting the trophy uh, uh, to the team. Coach Oates saying that we're a championship school. Yeah. Not just, <laughs> we're not labeling ourselves as one thing or the other, just championship school. Uh, JQ, the tournament MVP, who we've talked about before, he's playing his best ball of the year. Mm-hmm. He's playing it right now. And I think I think we can look back now, revisionist history, before we go to the NCAA tournament and say that when Quinterly was out, out a couple of games in January, when he was out of the medical issue, that really took a little hit on his on – his, because he was playing his best ball of the season, first January, ten, against Tennessee. Yep. And uh, – I can't remember if he played against – he played against Kentucky, too, if I'm not mistaken, playing his best ball of the year. Uh, and I think that time off really gave – really hurt his production uh, and when he came back. But we can look back now and say, man, what a team this is. This is – Alabama, of course, this was yesterday. We're recording on the Tuesday. This was yesterday. Uh, the new AP poll came out. Alabama top finished in the top five of the regular – of the uh, season – for the first time since the Rocket Eight, uh, that was over, folks. That was a, that was almost seventy years ago. We're gonna look back a long time. First, first SEC tournament title since '91. First regular season title since 2002. We're gonna look back and say this this was one of the best basketball teams to ever come through the University of Alabama, and uh, they're not done yet. <laughs> that's a, that's a thing. We're and we're gonna talk about next segment, James. But they're not done yet. There's an NCAA tournament starting this weekend. And they've they've they're playing their best ball right now. They proved this weekend that they can play against good composition and back to backs, and they've got a chance to prove it again to the nation over the next three weeks. Yeah, and you, you've talked about pretty much every time that this team has received accolades, whether it was the regular season uh, championship or receiving those uh, all SEC and all American honors, now winning the SEC championship, it, it means so much for the whole the whole state the whole fan base all that but i think for for us as, as seniors <laughs> you talk about it we we grew up with these guys you know we, our first experience in coleman coliseum was their first experience like it, it was it's different obviously they're the ones doing the work but yeah. i just to to watch how they have grown and to to come up through it right i mean Think about, you know, the first game you went to and then to where you are now uh, posting on Instagram a picture with the trophy. For me, it's, you know, the first game I ever watched 
was just in the student section way up in the rafters because I showed up a few minutes before tip off. Well, you know, I'm sitting on press row now, you know, I, I'm covering, uh, or, or excuse me, I'm not covering, but I'm, I'm keeping up with the SEC tournament championship while covering other sports. Like it's, it's so incredible for the, the whole progression of how things have worked out. And if you had told me when I enrolled at this school that we would, we would leave and just be headed out the door as SEC champions times two in basketball, I would have, I, I would, I wouldn't have believed you. There's no way, no way. It's not tangible. I mean, it's not a real thing you could, you could envision back then. But again, here we are, year two of the Coach Oates era, and this is, I mean, this is what I talk about when you you touched on it right there. This is what I talk about when it means something to people. It means a lot to not just the university, the students, everything else. We, <laughs> James, we kind of, in in no way is it true. But it feels like we've grown up with these guys, especially the big three here, you know, Alex Reese and JP and Herb Jones. It feels like we've grown up with them because we've just seen them so much. We've seen them play so many times. They've been a big part of our lives. Everyone on this team has for a good amount of time. And uh, to see it pay off is it's 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 vindiction. I mean, it's (laughs) the top of the mountain. It's what I mean. Sunday, Championship Sunday, was my 39th game in a row and 41st out of the past 42. <laughs> and, buddy. An incredible run. It, it felt good. That was the best feeling I've had after a ball game, uh, especially a tournament. I've been going to the SEC tournament each of the past four years now. That's the best. It's, it doesn't get much better. It's, it doesn't get much sweeter. No, uh, it definitely doesn't. And, and just the to be able to, to let it sink in, is something else. And like you said, we're not done yet. So stick with us. Uh, We're going to take a break real quick. When we come back, we will talk about the NCAA tournament, Alabama's path to the final four and the national championship and some of our favorite uh, matchups around the bracket. So uh, stick with us on the original Alabama basketball podcast. Welcome back in to the original Alabama basketball podcast. I'm Luke Ratliff along with James Fletcher. And James, we talked about the Alabama uh, SEC tournament run. Now it's time to focus our attention to the NCAA tournament run. James, it's the big dance, and it's happening in Indianapolis. It is, and it's going to be incredible. we got a great run uh, here. Of course, Alabama landing in the East region. Uh, Michigan, the one seed in that region. Uh, Alabama's first game against Iona and Rick Patino. We've 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 hit you with that before, but Luke, I've got a question for you, James. All right, what, what's your question? What is a gale? Well, well, Luke, let me let me put my journalism hat on real quick and uh, answer that question because I spent a large part of Monday afternoon researching the origins of the gale uh, for an article that I did for the Tuscaloosa News, which you should go check out, of course. Uh, But I'll give you a little bit, a little hint. A gale, Luke, it it comes from Gaelic, uh, which, as we know, is uh, the region of the UK, uh, which includes parts of Ireland, Scotland. And uh, if you ask Webster Dictionary what it means, uh, they will tell you that it is a a Scottish Highlander. Uh, And a lot of you are probably wondering, unless you've seen a you know, something on the History Channel or perhaps a, a show on HBO about it. 
you're wondering what is a Scottish Highlander? Well, it was a group of people uh, around the 1600s and before, uh, and their way of life changed due to uh, King James the First. I'll leave it at that. You can go read my article though on what a gale is and how you can defeat one. Well, let's talk about the gales of Iona. You talked about them, of course. Uh, they won their conference. Is that the American East Conference? I'm, I'm pulling it up on my computer right now. But I think I'm going a, I'm to a go against it. I think it's the MIAC, if I'm right. It No, it's the MAC. Oh, I was one, the, one the, letter off. The Metro Atlanta, the MAAC. MAC. The MAC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rick Pitino, of course, in his second year. Am I right? No, first full year. First year. First year coaching the Iola Gales. Uh, how, how fun he is it? He was hired very early last year. He was. Uh, right after the season, he was hired. James, fill in for me while I pull up there, because uh, I know nothing about them. Well, got, well, well I, did, I did prep for the show. I uh, did no I research. Know that, that Iona took a long break this season, so there's not a lot to research on them. Uh, they're 12 and five, which you know only 17 games, so they, they took a, a big chunk off due to COVID problems. I think Patino said uh, earlier this week that they've lost almost 50 days of practice throughout the season. Uh, due to COVID protocols, positive tests, contact tracing, all, all kinds of things. But they really hit their stride uh, down the stretch of February and into March. Won their conference tournament, of course. The, the MAC is not a multi-bid league. Uh, but as the 15 seed, I, I don't want don't to hate on Iona. Uh, but I think that 15 versus 16 is always uh, kind of a, a blurred line. And I think having Rick Pitino as your coach helps you move up that, that seed into the 15 range. Uh, but you can't take him lightly because you've got a Hall of Fame coach uh, on, on the other side of the court uh, coaching his team. Iona, uh, if you want a scouting report on, well, they're going to run. Uh, Rick Pitino also said earlier this week that they're going to have to do the little things well because trying to slow down this Alabama team or, or get them off their rhythm isn't an option. Uh, he straight up said, Iona can't win that way. So uh, this is going to be an up and down fun game. And I expect Alabama to pull away uh, due to that fact. Yeah, Iona, of course, in, in the MAC conference, uh, they were second in the regular season, won their conference tournament, 12-5 uh, and five overall. They haven't played games. I mean, they took a 50-day COVID pause uh, midway through the year in the conference schedule, if I'm not mistaken. They I mean, it was – Late Jan or excuse me, late uh, December through mid February. It was the chunk of the season that you watch and make your decisions on teams. Yeah, well, in their small sample size, uh, they are top uh, top sixty in points allowed per game, top fifty in blocks per game. Uh, I'm going off these because they're right in front of me, and I've done no prep work. Uh, <laughs> as it is our biggest week of the year, the NCAA tournament, uh, but. Again, fouls per game, only 21.8 per game. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, they're a very senior-laden team, too. They have good yeah. guards, uh, good senior guard play. They're top two uh, scoring leaders, Isaiah Ross and Asante Gis, uh, two senior guards, uh, one 18.4 points per game, the other 13 and a half. It, uh, Iona was – when we look at the bracket – there were a couple of these 
teams we knew were going to be 15 seats. I didn't necessarily want to play. Uh, Grand Canyon was one. I wanted Oral Roberts. I'll go out there. Oral Roberts, that that would have been the best way out, I think. Yeah, I wanted Oral Roberts. Uh, That's just me, though. Uh, I didn't want Grand Canyon or Cleveland State. I'm okay with Iona. Uh, I'm not on the selection committee for a reason. Uh, But I'm all right with Iona. Alabama's favored by 17 and a half points in that game. Alabama's got to shoot, as we all know, uh, because they didn't – this Iona team, we're not going to talk down about any team in this NCAA tournament because you make the NCAA tournament, you're a good basketball team. Except for maybe, uh, except for maybe <laughs> Oregon for State. Which except team was that? Oregon State. It feels like they just sort of they sort of slip their way in. You know, I don't know how they got in, but I might have to pick them to move on. I don't know. Dude, who we'll Oregon see. State? You don't know how they got in? We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. James, they won the Pac-12. No, I understand that, Luke. I watched oh. every game of the Pac-12 tournament because Bill <laughs> Walton was on the call. Don't don't question my Conference of Champions knowledge. All right, but uh, I don't know. Alabama's just got to come out and shoot. I mean, we know any team in this tournament, especially Iona, who's had who's going to have more rests than uh, not just because they took a 50 day COVID pause and they're still fresh from the beginning of the year. Uh, they finished their tournament on what Friday morning, so they're they have an extra two days ahead of everybody else on the field right now. Uh, every high major team on the field in the field right now. Um, Alabama has to come out in this region, uh, has to come out in this tournament and shoot the ball. They have to shoot the ball and play their game, play their defense the way they know how. Uh, Because the next round and the round after that, if you win these games, they're not getting easier. This is the easiest you're going to have it. You need to make a statement right now. Sort of like Alabama did in the SEC tournament where they got Mississippi State. And, I mean, just pummeled them, put them in the dirt. Alabama has to do the same thing here and set the tone for themselves and for everyone else when it comes to this NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I do think it'll be very similar to that that opening round game where uh, Alabama's going to come out, show some intensity, show that they're there for a reason. They're going to try to prove a point. And like I said, Iona, if slowing down Alabama isn't an option for you and you're a school like Iona, you're in big trouble because – when, when both teams are running up and down the floor, the best shooters and the best players are going to win. And that's not to take away from Iona. They've probably got better players than Iona should have because Rick Pitino is there. And A, people want to play for Rick Pitino. And B, he's going to coach you up and make you a better player. But they're still not on the level of uh, the SEC champions, uh, Alabama. So I look for Alabama to play a fun game and really run away with it there. But the second round, interesting, they play the winner of UConn and Maryland. Yeah, this is a hot UConn team. Uh, they, they've played well coming into Danny Hurley, of course. I don't like Danny Hurley uh, personally, but I'm not going to let my personal vendetta get in the way of me making picks in this NCAA tournament. Uh, Maryland sort of snuck their way in at the end of the year, uh, played not very much like NCAA tournament team, a large portion of this season. Uh, Mark Turgeon, of course, found a way, as we all know. He just sort of finds a way, uh, whether it's a loophole or he coaches really good or coaches really bad. He found a way in this NCAA tournament. Uh, 
the likely opponent, it, it's going to be chalk here. It's going to be UConn and mm-hmm. Alabama in the next round. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's going to be UConn and Alabama in the next round. And that's going to be – and we're going to talk about really good games on the schedule here in a second, really good games in, this, in the bracket here in a second. Uh, this is one of them. That's going to be really, really, really fun to watch. Yeah, that, that's going to be a fun one. UConn, and you talked about them as a surging team. That surge aligns straight up with when James Booknight came back, and he's really what makes this team go. He's what turns them into a conference team. Without him, I think that they're a bubble team that was probably on the wrong side, but Booknight, uh, lottery pick. I mean, there's no, no question about his talent. Um, he has, though, he's been struggling with uh, health. He cramped up multiple times during the Big East tournament that kind of cost them in my opinion the, the way that he was limited on minutes and struggling to, to stay with it so we'll see he's got about a week to get ready to get healthy but if he's still fighting health I think this UConn team is not what they could be uh, as a challenge to Alabama. James let's go vertical here while we're staying in the first weekend uh, I see a couple of games in this bracket, in this East bracket, uh, that should be really good. Uh, one I'm looking at right now is the 512. We all look at the 512 for upset. I don't think we're going to well, – I don't know. I mean, Georgetown, they won their conference. They won that tournament. They weren't going to make the NCAA tournament unless they won the Big East in Madison Square Garden, and they did. And they play starting out uh, – Saturday gets a really – I don't know how to put this Colorado team. I don't know how to describe them because they it, they had some games. They lost to Washington yeah. early in the conference season. Uh, they lost to Oregon State, who, again, I'm going to talk about because yeah. they have no business. They are a bid stealer, uh, Oregon State is. Uh, they lost to Oregon State in that conference tournament game. That's a game I'm looking at. Uh, I'm looking to it's, – it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's a foregone conclusion that Texas is going to make it uh, to the Sweet 16. It's going to be Texas and BYU in the second-round game and then Texas oh, going to be See, I've got I, – I, this wasn't going to be one of my big, big ones that I talked about, but I got – Michigan State, I think, is a dangerous play-in team. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a big program that – Look, they had, what was it, three top ten wins over the last two weeks of the regular season? I know that they they lost to Maryland in a game they had no business losing in the tournament, but, like, they've shown they can jump up and get the best of teams that are out there. So I, it's hard for me to, to say that BYU, who blew a big lead to, to Gonzaga, is going to be able to hold off the Spartans. And Tom what, is going that, to, oh, what a terrible – what, an, what a terrible indictment on BYU. They blew a lead to Gonzaga. Oh, God. Well, no, but, it, but it's the, the idea that a, a team with better players, you got ahead on them, and that's what you have to do if you're the smaller team. You have to get ahead. Mm-hmm. They were able to do that, but they couldn't hold them off. And, and so I think you're always in a vulnerable position as the team with the less talented players, which I think is the case with Michigan State and BYU. And so – I, I like Michigan State in that one. Of what course, play it will survive UCLA in the first round. But what a playing game this is, though. Michigan State, UCLA, for a chance in the Brown of 64. What a playing game. What a heavy play by the 
selection committee to get people to watch this game. I sort of the only like way that. they could have done better is uh, Duke and Michigan State. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that'd been that'd been great. Uh, that's what I want to see from this 11 seed playing game, though. Uh, these very successful teams, high mates, high majors, sometimes very good record mid-major teams. I want to see them in these play-in games for the 11 seed. I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see Norfolk State and App State in that game uh, as they are in the 16. I think the selection committee got it right this time. Uh, James, I want to ask you, where on this bracket, the whole bracket, what game are you circling first round that you have to watch? As a basketball fan, you have to watch it. See, so there's uh, there's some really interesting matchups, I think. And a lot of times people would think when you when you say must watch, they're thinking those seeds that are that are bunched together, you know, the eight nines, the seven tens. But for me, it, it's it's seeing these mid-major teams that have really good analytics prove something against a, a high major that has a resume that, that did it over and over during the season. And I think the one place that your eye has to immediately go on this bracket, if that's what you want is Arkansas versus Colgate. I think Colgate number nine in the net at the end of the season, number nine in the net, and they get a 14 seed and go up against an Arkansas team that outside of that loss to LSU that they, they kind of gave away and didn't play the way that they had been they have been red hot down the stretch of the season. And so it, it's time for Colgate, you know, prove those analytics right. Cause a lot of people doubt the net rankings, but if they come out and, and shock Arkansas, I mean, that would be incredible. I'm, I'm with you here. They're going to play that game on roller skates. I think that's yeah. going to be you know, Colgate, that game might end 105, 100. <laughs> the NCAA tournament it might end. I'm, I, I, that's a game I was going to say, if you have, if you're going to watch something as a basketball fan, you have to watch that game. Uh, for my submission here, I'm actually going to those seeds here lumped together. I'm looking at eight, nine, the Midwest. And I'm going to talk about this Midwest bracket in a second uh, because it is, oh boy, it is something to look at. Uh, this Midwest bracket, eight, nine, Georgia Tech and Loyola, Chicago. That's my dear, my be dear a, friend, Josh Pastner. Yeah, well, of course, ACC champion, Josh Pastner. Uh, that's going to be a basketball game to watch. That's going to be a slugfest. It is two very defensive teams, defensive-oriented teams. Uh, that's now, going to be in a game. contrast to that first game. You, you might see fifty to forty-five. You might. <laughs> you actually might. Uh, Loyola, as we all know, uh, went to the Final Four a couple of years ago when it was in San Antonio. Did they lose? They lost to Villanova, didn't they? Or was it Michigan? I. Who did they I'm lose to? I, I think who knocked them out of that. I, I'll look at it. You, you keep going, and I'll look that up. Well, I'll keep rambling. Uh, oh, how about that? Loyola, Chicago. Chicago, I'm rambling here. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a Even fantastic – Sister Jean's going to be there. She and is. She got, she got both her COVID vaccines. She's going to be there. Uh, but that's going to be a very good game to watch. You got number five. I, I don't care to learn his name, but number five, ACC Player of the Year for Georgia Tech, who is just – if you get to watch it, Holy cow. I watched him because a bunch of people had, I know had action on him this year. Uh, he's a player, man. They, uh, he's something to watch. That's going to be a slugfest. Look at this bracket, though. Look at this Midwest bracket. 
Tennessee playing the uh, Pac-12 champion Oregon State Beavers, uh, which they shouldn't be playing at all. Oregon State has no business being in there. They stole the bid. But look elsewhere. Oklahoma State, one of the hottest teams in the country, playing Richie McKay, who, as we all know, James, it's Life, Liberty, and Richie McKay in the NCAA tournament. Uh, one of my favorite coaches in America, Richie McKay, is. Look everywhere. Houston and Cleveland State, that's not going to be an easy game for Houston. Cleveland State no. is a fantastic mid-major basketball team that nobody, nobody talks about because, I mean, they are mid-major. Right. You got 7-10, Rutgers-Clemson. It's – I mean, these are – this is a really, really tough bracket. This is – I'll go ahead and say it. A, one team in the national championship game will come from this Midwest bracket, whether it be Illinois or whether it be Oklahoma State – whether it be a big upset, whether it be Loyola again going all the way, uh, upsetting Georgia Tech and Illinois and uh, the winner, I mean, Oklahoma State, Tennessee on their way there. It might, anyone in this bracket can make it to the Final Four. That's how tough it is. Yeah, Loyola, of course, they were knocked out by Michigan. You had that right. Um, but I, that that actually lines up with what I it didn't line up. I said not the 8-9 the matchups. But this one still adds up. I mean, Loyola is one of those small conference teams that has really good metrics, and it's time to prove it against the ACC champion. So I, I think it still goes into half of what I said there uh, on those games that interest you. And I agree, the Midwest region. Wow. I, I mean, you touched on all of it there. But yeah. even as they continue to go, the games get better and better. So uh, I'll, I'll have my eye on that grouping for sure but you talked about earlier Colorado versus Georgetown as, as that 512 because we all know you got to pick a 512 uh, and I hinted at maybe taking Oregon State but I don't know on that for sure the one 512 matchup though that I am locking in is Winthrop over Villanova uh, Villanova without their point guard uh, Gillespie Winthrop 23 and one this season yes it, it looks like trouble for Villanova yeah, and you look at that, you talk about mid-majors, small, like high seeds that can make a run into that Sweet 16, into that Elite Eight Final Four. This is a perfect situation for them uh, because we know that on the top half of this bracket is, is Baylor, of course. Yeah. And Baylor, fantastic basketball team, but they've lost two out of their last, what, five, four, two out of their last four? Well, since they went on the COVID pause, they have not been the same win or loss. No, they, they haven't. And, again, they've won games very handedly, the yeah. games that have won. Uh, but this is a situation. Winthrop, twenty-three and one. Uh, the win, if they win that game, which I believe they will against Villanova, uh, Villanova just not the same squad they were earlier in the season, uh, especially oh, after yeah, especially after Gillespie gone and they lost to St. John's, who who was my pick to win the Big East tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going underdog there, but apparently no, didn't have it. Georgetown had other things to say about it. They get Winthrop gets past. Villanova, they have the winner of Purdue and North Texas. Two, I mean, Purdue very beatable uh, out of that Big Ten conference. We talk about the Big Ten a lot. That that has they have every bit potential to be the Cinderella team this year in this NCAA tournament. Uh, and James, I don't even want to look at the West region. <laughs> it's it, it doesn't matter the West region like that's it's Gonzaga. Go ahead and ride them all the way through to the Final Four. I agree with you there, but. I, I think that the most interesting thing to me is all these people, you know, cause everyone wants to pick because it never happens. The undefeated team, right. They don't, that doesn't happen. 
No. So everyone's looking for where it's going to come from. And, then, you know, people will tell you, oh, number four, Virginia. Uh, have you have you checked the have you checked the regular seat? They, they kind of beat them by like 30. Well, well, what about number two, Iowa? Uh, yeah, they, they, they handled business against them. Well, what about number three, Kansas, if they can get past? I yeah, they, they beat them, too. I mean, <laughs> this is just a retread. Of, this is their regular season highlights being played back over on their way to the final four. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's going to be good games to come out of that region, but it's it's all for naught, right? Like, you look at the high seed, I think Kansas is going to be Eastern Washington, but it's not going to be a very – like, it's not going to be given to them. No. Like, Eastern Washington, another one of these teams that's they're – the, They're the team that every year – it feels like they never win it, but they're always that team that, that like, down to five points with a minute left. Yeah. That's them, though, right? <laughs> that's, that's who they are. That's them. Uh, but that West Rep- – there's some good games there. I mean, I mean USC and Wichita State, if, if they win. Or Drake. Or Drake, who we know Drake started – Drake started 17-0 on the year, did they not? They did, yeah. They went on that big win streak to start the season. If I'm not mistaken, they had a COVID pause as well. Just haven't been the same since. Yeah. But, well, yeah. I would also – I'd like to make clear because uh, I've already made Wichita State fans – mad earlier this week by saying Memphis should have been in the field, but uh, I, I am picking Wichita State there. Please do not come after me. I'm not picking Drake. Fake fan you are of the Crimson Tide. <laughs> picking Wichita State in anything. You just you just penciled them into the next round. I mean, talk about, just talk about your upset. Look, look, all right, so you can, you can go back with these tapes and Make it sound like anybody did anything. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. not giving that any credit. But James, let's look. First weekend. All right. We've we've already went through a couple of games. Let's look big picture. Mm-hmm. I want you real quickly, and then we'll before we break here, give me four teams that are going to be playing in April. All right. The four teams that I'm going with, I'm Gonzaga. We talked about it. You gotta lock them in. Final four bound, Gonzaga. I've got Alabama coming out of the East. They would face Gonzaga in the final four. And a lot of people say, oh, you haven't beaten Michigan. No, I haven't been beating Florida State, uh, but that's all I'm giving you from that region of my bracket right now. Uh, Baylor, ah, that one's tough because we, we, you said it. They haven't been quite the same. So I'm going to take Arkansas out of that group. Uh, I think that they survived Colgate and – it's a tough run for Arkansas for sure, but I'm going to take them to the final four. And on that other side, I got to go with Oklahoma state. You can't bet against the best player in the field. Uh, Cade Cunningham, I think has established that he is the best basketball player in the NCAA. And I'm not going to bet against him getting to the final four. You and I have a lot of like here. I mean, go ahead and pick Gonzaga and Baylor. They're there. And Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, Ryan and Sharpie. They're there. Uh, I've got Alabama as well, Florida State as well. Alabama's going to be Texas and Florida State uh, going forward. Uh, I, I mean, that Florida State team, they played they played a couple of games towards the end of the year where it just didn't look right. Uh, but we know what they're capable of, and this is a team that's going to play well in March. And Leonard Hamilton, one of my favorite coaches in college basketball. Yeah. I mean, he, he's favorite coach and favorite person in college basketball. <laughs> like, he's yeah, great. But, but so far we've got Gonzaga – out of the West, out of the South, of course, Baylor. Baylor's going to be playing on uh, Saturday in April. 
Uh, then you've got Alabama from the east. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you here. I like Oklahoma State. And I'll say this, Oklahoma State, this Midwest region. Oh, mm-hmm. oh go ahead and pencil them into the na- uh, national championship game too. I've got them playing yeah. for a title. I've got them playing Monday in April. Uh, Oklahoma State. I'll say this. Would you like to give us the other side of your your final there? No. <laughs> no. I'll I'll go ahead and give. I have Gonzago. I I, I can't. I, I've said all season that they just they're a lock to win it. I haven't won a national championship, of course, over Oklahoma State. But look, I'm hoping. It's, I'm, I'm hoping, hoping not to win the perfect bracket, right? I would, I would gladly give up. What was, what was it like a billion dollars that uh, Buffett put on the line a few years ago? I, I would yeah. gladly give that up uh, to be wrong <laughs> and have Alabama run the table. But, but again, let me say this: Oklahoma State will make it to the Final Four. Oklahoma State's toughest game will be against the Liberty Flames, Richie McKay. That will be their toughest game on the way. It's not gonna. Uh, that, I'm, they might play a five-point game against Illinois if, if Illinois makes it that far. But I think Illinois is the toughest challenge to, to me in that one. Liberty's Liberty's tough, uh, but I think, like I said, when when you have the best player, it makes things a lot easier. Um, but Illinois, I think that's the closest they get to having a player that can that can rise up to that challenge with Io Desunmu. But uh, yeah, have Cade Cunningham leading them to the championship, and wow. Yeah, this is going to be fun. It's going to be a blast, James. I can't wait. I'm going to be there in Indianapolis for whatever happens. Uh, maybe we'll do a live show from there uh, post-game. Uh, if Alabama makes it safe to Sweet 16 and Elite 8, we'll do a, a show for our great listeners. Again, we can't talk about our listeners enough, how, how loyal they've huh. been and how much they've helped us. Uh, yeah, it, It's been so much fun, and we're not done yet. We're still going. We're charging through this tournament. Uh, We will talk to you next week with breakdowns of what happened in the first round, hopefully a preview of week two uh, and some some more future talk, I'm sure. Again, congratulations uh, to the Alabama Crimson Tide on winning the SEC tournament. Congratulations to Herb Jones for third team All-American. And congratulations to everyone out there who is stuck through thin times for the Alabama Crimson Tide and got to this point we can all win a sigh of relief and then get ready we deserve it time for a victory lap time to circle the horses we are so happy and uh, once again this is James Fletcher signing off for Luke Ratliff on the original Alabama basketball podcast